unintentional podcast. Hi, it's Sips. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Bonga, and you're listening to the unintentional, unintentional podcast. podcast. All right, so we're hanging out with Unokolum uh, Tunu, the founder of uh, Bloom SA, um, an NPO uh, based here in Peter Maritzburg uh, that has its uh, focus on uh, developing the township communities and with a particular or specific focus on the youth. Uh, so I'm excited, we're excited actually to have her on the show and to discuss what this organi- organization is all about and what really they have to offer in terms of their goal and uh, vision and, and objectives and so on. So, Nokolo, welcome to Unintentional Podcast. Thanks for coming. <laughs> thank you, thank you guys. It's a real honor to be here. Um, yeah, yeah looking great forward to, uh, to the interview. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Let's begin with your, your background. Just tell the No, listeners. let's begin with how you know each other. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Would you like to uh, relate how you and I uh, know each other? Okay, um, so Monga and I went to high school together. Um, there was Alex, mm-hmm. Alexandra High. Um, I remember you as someone who couldn't speak Zulu for the longest time wow. <laughs> That's true. in high yeah. school. <laughs> At the time. Yeah. And I thought that was weird. It was. Um, but I think over time you did learn to... Yeah, I did. And, and I'm, I'm very proficient now, I dare say. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird because he reads better Zulu than I do. Well, for sure. Like, uh, I actually learned how to read this Zulu and write it... Uh, after matric, actually, as well, after high school, 2007. So, and I've been at it for the longest time. So, mm. I, I guess I have to give props to dad because he actually kind of forced me as well to to read, yeah, and and, and write this is <laughs> until I learn, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Kudos to you for taking that initiative to learn um, your language. indigenous language. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. it's extremely important. I think at the time, at the time, anyone could have taken it for granted, you know. Um, knowing our languages. In fact, a lot of our youths, a lot of children now, nowadays, um, actually know English first before learning uh, how to speak Isizul. Don't know how that works out, uh, but the parents who raise the kids know what they're doing. Any other things that are, uh, stood out about me in high school? I have Look at a, him stroking his ego. No, I, I, I have quite a few things about you. Wow. We're going to get into stuff I know about you as well from high school. But um, yeah. yeah, I just remember you being also quite a friendly person right, in right. general yeah, yeah and i think you also befriended quite a lot of girls more than yes, guys yes yeah. yes um yes. yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's so true why is that Bonga? i don't know um listen to the friend episode with me kaya and innocent i, I go into detail i'm joking but um on a serious note though um i think part of it may be that i'm the only male child at home i have three older sisters i'm the youngest person and maybe I just don't know, but it just it's just the way things happened, and um, that's how it is right now as we speak. In fact, mm. um, most of my friends are indeed female. Um, so what I remember about Nokolo from high school, um, well, you used to hang out with two really good friends of yours, uh, Noloazi and Cindy. So in fact, I bumped into Cindy so, um, at uh, uh, Sagewood. Like, uh, on Freedom Day, so it was great to see her and stuff. You guys kept to yourselves a lot. You you were super reserved. Uh, I think even now you appear to be someone who's very like reserved and not outgoing. I don't know. Um, what's your say on that? <laughs> um, I think I've always been quite a reserved person, and 
introverted um and i think it's been good mm-hmm. for me um to to do that because it grounds me right right and it it keeps me um stuck on my values and you know focused on whatever i'm working on at that time you know whatever goals i've set for myself mm-hmm. myself um i've always found it easier to sort of lead that kind of life you know rather than finding myself in groups you know where hmm. i feel like i probably would possibly lose myself you mm-hmm. know um here and there um yeah it's just comfortable and mm-hmm. it's it's worked for me no i get you yeah. i get you and where does it come from if i Um I was an only child. Ah, okay. I was an only child. Um I had a sister when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Um and in the time where I was an only child or I received a lot of uh, um attention from my mom, you know, she was a single parent, she, she raised me alone. Mm-hmm. Um she did everything that she could, you know, to give me a good life and a good future and I always appreciate her for that. For sure. Um as much as I was an only child, I did have cousins growing up around me. Right. But they also happened to be older and I found it a little bit difficult to relate to them. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it was the same for them too. Right. Um yeah, but I I grew to love um having my own space and you know just being able to always reflect on my values and you know where I'm going and just keep myself on a directed path. Hmm. So what are some of your values? Um right. <laughs> <laughs> um I think I think my values really are just being focused, mm-hmm. you know, um keeping myself grounded. and knowing where i'm going mm-hmm. um i've been christian for most of my life mm. yes. until recently um where i've always been a spiritual person yeah. um growing up and i i went to i looked to church to provide that fulfillment mm. um for myself and being a spiritual person over the years and also just being a grounded person i was always able mm. to listen to my inner voice yeah um at all times and i found myself two years ago um being directed on a different um spiritual journey mm. um mm. that was aside of church you know um mm. in 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 such a way that i ended up leaving Christianity altogether mm-hmm. um and I'm currently um finding my way through African spirituality. Oh okay, that's yeah. interesting. That's very interesting and um it's one of the things you guys delve into uh with your partner Nobisa in one of the episodes mm-hmm. on your YouTube channel. Um uh what's it called indigenous resilience, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh we'll get into that a little bit later. I do want to uh look at well to consider your background as well and and to talk about bloom and the work that you guys do so tell us about your uh educational background and how it came about that you eventually established bloom essay 
All right. So I studied psychology um, in my undergrad. I did a Bachelor of Social Sciences in psychology and sociology. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I proceeded to do an honors degree in psychology. And then I um, pursued a master's degree in psychology again, where it was um, more of like independent research okay. um, because I didn't do any coursework right. for that. Um, <clears throat> I'm yet to qualify. Oh, okay. All right. So, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. And uh, how did Bloom Essay uh, come about? So, um, I've always, I grew up in the township. Right. I'm from Edendale, Esmero. Right. Um, and I would always, growing up, you know, see in my community a lot of poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as much as I came from the township, I felt though that I was fortunate in that I was not, I wouldn't call myself someone who was poor. Right, you know, right. You know, um, so I think that gave me an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was also able to go to multiracial schools, mm-hmm. which is something that hardly happens around the township. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like to look at the township as um, all bad or all doom and gloom yeah. because I also don't believe that is a true perspective of the township. Yeah. You know, um, I think that um, township environments are quite heterogeneous Mm -hmm. um you know in that you find poverty but you also find some well-off people Mm -hmm. around there so i would consider myself to have been somewhere in the middle there Mm -hmm. um and you know growing up and um looking at young people in the township not really having much direction Mm -hmm. or having a lot of challenges that end up hindering their growth Mm. You know, I wanted to, I guess it just grew in me that I wanted to be someone who can, you know, help to change that, right. you know, in some way. And I remember telling my gran back in the years um, that it is uh, one of my, or a 20-year goal plan of mine mm-hmm. um, to open up an organization that would be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was quite a while back. And when COVID um, started and we were all on lockdown and sitting at home and uh, I was working from home for like a really long time, it gave me time to reflect mm-hmm. and, you know, think about my goals, you know, which is something I would regularly do anyway. I've always been somebody who likes to journal and, you know, um, Goal orientated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, reflect. So I took that time to reflect, and I I I used that opportunity to 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 start or to begin, um, mm-hmm. my long term, what had been my long term um goal mm-hmm. for a long time, and in terms of um working you said you were working at that time so you were working a regular like nine to five mm-hmm. yeah and then you decided to start your own business and then did you leave your no. nine to five no i'm still i'm still doing my nine to five mm. i'm fortunate in that i have a lot of flexibility okay um i i do work from home most of the time still mm. even after covid 
um, yeah, so that gives me opportunity to, you know, play around with my time and manage my own time. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, you're saying Bloomer says um, is basically giving back to the youth and helping the the youth because the series that we're doing is about youth empowerment and you know the rates of youth unemployment in the city so um yeah can you just tell us a bit about you said your inspiration was mostly seeing that you know um the poverty around you how does bloom essay help the the and poor or the youth okay so currently at bloom essay we have 10 programs mm-hmm. um which are basically tools that we use to help the community and, you know, young people. Um, I'll just go through them. Mm-hmm. So we have a skills development program, which is called Blooming into Mastery, mm-hmm. uh, where we basically help young people or whoever is interested um, to basically hone their skills, you know, so that they become something that they can use to um, make a living for themselves, you know, whether, but again, we always like to start from their own interests. Mm-hmm. We don't want to come with our own ideas to say, okay, we've got computer classes, you can come, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we like to look at the person as an individual and see um, what interests they have. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have entrepreneurial interests, mm-hmm. then we try to... Um, help them, you know, um, gain more skills in that. If they're an artsy person, maybe they like music or poetry, they like to write, then we help them with that as well, you know. Um, It's really important to us to look at them as an individual and, you know, what interests they have rather than coming with our own ideas, you know, because I feel like um, as a society we've... We've undergone that quite a lot, yeah. you know, and I think it's about time. school system. Yeah, it's about time that um, we change that, mm. you know, and, and I really believe that everyone has the potential to be great mm. if we just really look at their own um, strengths, For you sure. know, and, and, and grow those. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then we also have a career guidance program, which is called uh, Inkanizi Aksasa, mm-hmm. where we help young people to basically um, know what kind of careers are available. And uh, we also do um, workshops where we do aptitude tests and stuff like that, which help them to basically know their strengths and be able to choose what career is suitable for them based on those kind of things. Okay. Uh, Before you move on to the next one, um, once, once you know, the, those uh, youths identify something that they may potentially be interested in, like how, how do you then inform them further about those career paths? Do you have partnerships with certain professionals in those um, areas of, of, I guess, uh, work and practice, business and the like? Okay, so we were a fairly new organization. We started in November of 2020. Mm-hmm. And as much as uh, we have all of these programs, we haven't exactly gone into all of them, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of practice. Right, um, right, right. So, but 
we did actually plan a, a youth workshop last year. Um, the turnout was unfortunately not good mm-hmm. um, in such a way that we ended up having to cancel it for oh. that day. Um, mm-hmm. But for that day, we had plans to do um, aptitude tests, you know, and to basically talk about various careers that are available mm-hmm. and um, see you know, have time to see the whole group as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, be able to schedule further sessions okay. where we're able then to really help them on a one-on-one basis. No, because I, I don't think that we can really achieve much if we just speak to them as just a group and we leave it there, mm-hmm. you enough, know. Yeah. But also we we're going to be motivated by interest mm-hmm. because we also don't want to force something on, 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 on a person. Mm-hmm. And I always find that when somebody is interested, you know, naturally interested in something, then they're more motivated oh, to sure. carry on for rather sure. than yeah. you pushing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And in terms of the turnout, why do you think um, it didn't turn out that well? Um and going forward, you know, what are some of the lessons that you can take if you're going to do something like this again? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what we discovered, um, having looked back um, at that time to see what could have been a hindrance, we thought that we had actually aligned the workshop to be around exam time, oh, you okay. know, which is obviously not a, a great mm-hmm. time to... Um, have something like that because a lot of young people are focusing on school and exams and stuff yeah Mm -hmm. so that is something that we saw that if we want to do it again we'd have to choose a time you know outside of exam time yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay and And, mm. sorry in terms of the you know the publicity and stuff did you advertise at all how did you uh we did um but I don't think we advertised, we used enough platforms, mm. you know, to get the word out. Okay. Yeah. There is also something that we would change. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's, what are some other programs that you guys have? Okay. And then we also have a counseling program mm-hmm. where we offer psychosocial support. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so basically that's to, you know, provide support to who, um, young people mm-hmm. and the general community um, on whatever challenges they may be facing on a psychosocial level. Um, yeah. Okay. And then mm-hmm. we also have uh, Blooming in Brotherhood as well as Blooming in Sisterhood where we focus on issues like gender-based violence mm-hmm. You know, uh, we really strongly believe that as much as we have the current pandemic of COVID-19, but we also have a pandemic of gender-based violence. Definitely. You know, so that is um, one of the pressing issues that we look at. Um, So we we try to reach out to... um, We try to reach out to young boys and young girls um in you know at an early stage Mm -hmm. so that we're able to you know address these issues and find out where exactly they stem from Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. because i think um maybe a lot of the time um you know when we grow young boys they are taught to be 
masculine and you know they are taught to be um i mean we grew up in a society that's very um what's the word patriarchal patriarchal yes you know and patriarchy is something that um you know we have to grow up with uh, unfortunately so that's something that we also try to change you mm-hmm. know um so that uh, boys are able to grow up um in a way where they are you know able to see the woman you know in and of herself as a whole being mm-hmm. you know um rather than always wanting to be um yeah to you know i'm always wanting to overpower the female you know mm-hmm. um yeah and also just growing young women also to have their own voice and to also have um you know their own take up their own space in society grow up as young people who are able to have that you know to be strong willed basically you know from an early age and know themselves and you know not always look at themselves as somebody that you know is here to serve a man you know but um also be individuals in their own rights mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um those are you know like i mentioned earlier as much as we have all these programs but we haven't really had a chance to go into much of the practice you of course, know um of um you know in fulfilling them and these two are one of those mm-hmm. you know but um we are quite um motivated and really looking forward to you know um basically doing more around um yeah under them yeah and stuff yeah. yes yes is there more yes and then we also have an early child literacy program which we, we call story time. Oh, I saw and that yeah. on your YouTube channel as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's a it's like a book club mm-hmm. where we basically um read um different stories to young boys and girls um preferably at like preschool uh preschool going age mm-hmm. and where we basically allow them to be exposed to literacy from an early age right you know and in the stories that we pick we always try to pick stories that are relatable to mm. them you know that really speak to them <laughs> um one of the we, we we normally order a lot of our books from ethnic kids okay. and that is um an online store that offers books that are like very indigenous mm. you know so um we always want the young boy or girl to see themselves in the yeah. stories mm. you know rather than be read um stories Cinderella. that they you know <laughs> they can hardly relate to yeah yeah wow that's so powerful dude yeah. that's really powerful uh-huh. and then we also have a mental health care program which we call uh, blooming in balance where we try to address a lot of mental health um issues um it's also one of um you know like i feel mental health is a very i mean especially having gone through covid mm-hmm. you know um a lot of people suffered from um a lot of mental issues such as depression anxiety you know so it's also one of the issues that we really 
try to focus on and we've mm-hmm. done quite a few talks talks on it yes and yes. we've we also have those on youtube on yes. our youtube channel called bloom essay mm-hmm. yeah and then we have a creative arts program where we uh, again look at various talents that young people have and we try to give them space to hone their skills um, mm-hmm. so that they're able to make a living out of them and also just to be um, exposed to other um, established artists, you know, within the the art space, whether it be musicians or mm-hmm. writers, you know, poets and stuff. We've done um, an event. We did an event last year. It was uh, on the April. I think it was the 27th of April. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So where we invited a lot of um, established artists from PMB and we also invited some upcoming artists from the local community. Um, And that was to basically expose them, you know, to a space where they're able to network with other um, established artists and also to be able to, you know, have a, a, a platform where they're able to share yeah. their work, you know, because a lot of um, young people also have talents, but they mm-hmm. don't really get the space mm-hmm. to share, yeah. you know, so we also provide that. Yeah. That was a good one, because I remember I did see something on your uh, Instagram as well. Uh, you, One of the artists that you work with, um, we, we're familiar with uh, a lot, uh, mm-hmm. well, a great deal on the show. She's actually, she was our first guest on the show, uh, Sandy, the Arts Creations. Oh. Um, and you guys, again, we'll get to this theme eventually during this uh, interview, but the whole indigenous resilience thing, that that was a theme as well, right, of, of that particular yes. creative arts event yeah. as well. So, um, yeah, that, that was quite interesting. I'm actually tempted to, I mean, I've brought it up. I think let's, let's might as well delve into mm. it just a little bit, and then we'll, we'll mm. carry on with other programs as well. Mm. Like, Tell us a little bit about indigenous resilience. Um, what is what is that about? It sounds very interesting to me when I heard the talk on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, so when we look at the term indigenous, um, it basically touches on, you know, um, an individual, you know, being able to draw from their natural environment you know, um, their native um, space, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the value systems that Mm -hmm. they carry and also the ways of being that they choose, Mm -hmm. you know. And so a lot of our work, we borrow from indigenous knowledge systems Mm -hmm. because we find that um, it is a good starting point Mm -hmm. in that we are working with something that, you know, is not far-reaching, but, you know, readily available Mm -hmm. to the person, you know, because this is something that is, you know, in their natural environment. And, you know, when we look at, for example, depression, Mm -hmm. you know, when we think of depression and um, somebody seeking therapy, you know, or help to alleviate, you know, those um, symptoms, Mm -hmm. <clears throat> accessing therapy can be difficult. Yeah. First of all, therapy is expensive. Right. You know, and also sometimes as much as we are 
people first and we are all people and we share a lot in common based on that but we also have cultural differences yes you know and sometimes therapy will not be able to tap into that mm-hmm. you know um for people so through indigenous um resilience we are able to tap into those things mm-hmm. you know and we are also able to basically provide people with readily available tools mm-hmm. that they can use you know to alleviate you know whatever challenges that they are facing mm-hmm. you know so we find that it's a quite a holistic approach at uh, looking at a lot of um social ills that are existent in our society okay. i don't know if that answers your question it's pretty pretty broad but uh, you do go into detail though on the talk so mm. i think if anyone does want uh, any further information there is a talk on based on um, indigenous resilience yes. on your youtube channel yeah. as well yeah yeah and it's very interesting actually and one question i did have though after watching that was it it seems like a broad um thing mm. um topic or aspect right and yeah. i felt like maybe have you guys considered maybe or is it something that you're busy with with um speaking to other practitioners or people who are involved with this sort of um uh way of dealing with mental health issues outside of the conventional um um um, um uh, methods of i guess dealing with um mental health issues and stuff mm. have you if you guys considered that if not but i um, felt like it's wide i think <laughs> you could have you could go deeper if or you could involve like more um practitioners and others as well who mm, may mm. know more like what's no, your take definitely. on that definitely and i think it's um something that we do plan to do in the future um you know before working in the current study where i'm at now i worked in another study that was based in town hill where we were looking at um early symptoms of psychosis mm-hmm. you know and we worked with traditional healers as well as um psychiatrists mm-hmm. you know and you know it it was quite interesting and um you know we used a tool or a questionnaire that was basically able to screen you know a person for those early symptoms of psychosis mm. um and in those questions there were also questions that touched on you know the traditional side of things and recognized that there could be a traditional side of things right. you know rather than just um mental illness you mm. know um per se so i think that um it it is it's really um something that is worth considering you know um in mainstream health practices to look at ways of um collaborating you know with various um you know not just focusing on the health side of things or the modern health side of things but also the traditional side of things you know because that is existent again like I was I said before as much as we are all people and we are um okay, similar yeah. in a lot of ways but we're also very different mm-hmm. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and those are things that are worth noting 
and you know taking seriously um i just wanted to know like what are some of the challenges that you had when you opened up an npo you know how, how does that whole process work okay so it wasn't difficult at all um we registered our organization through dsd Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, it was during the pandemic, so we downloaded the form, I think, online, mm-hmm. and then we filled it in, and then we went to their offices to um, drop it off. But because a lot of people were working from home mm-hmm. um, during that time, I think it took longer for them to get back to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, it's it's not a difficult process at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, how is how would you say business is going? Have you been receiving a lot of support, or you know how how is the landscape in Peter Maritzburg especially? So I think we've found the organization to be quite well received um, by the the community at large. Um, we also were able to we're fortunate to do an interview quite early on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after having started with a lady from Belgium, mm. Selina, um, she does a she does work on basically women empowerment, okay. and she had seen our work from our social media platforms, mm. and it sparked interest in her, and mm. she, you know, got in touch with us and asked if she could do an interview, and wow. you know, we did that, and you know. To us, that was such a huge validation. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, somebody from abroad yeah. to notice us, and yeah. So I mean, if they're able to notice us all the way from there, mm. you know, and and we found a similar um, reception also locally. Mm. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. For anyone who's interested in psychology as a career, or running their own NPO, non-profit organization, uh, what words of wisdom or advice would you give to such a person or such people? Well, I would say um, make sure that you've identified a, a real gap, you know, that, that you want to feel or fill or that you feel your organization can fill, mm-hmm. you know, because... There are a lot of NPOs around, mm-hmm. and they're all doing. Some of them are, are doing doing quite similar work, mm-hmm. you know. And you don't want to be coming with something that's already been there. Yeah. You know, find something that is unique to you, and find your niche, basically. You know, and um, something that really speaks to you, and that can serve as a, as a a motivation on its own. Mm-hmm. That is just self fulfilling because it's it's quite a long journey to get to a point where you are able to make a living mm-hmm. out of From it, um, yeah. and, you know, a non-profit. So you need that um, internal, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. motivation mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of the other NPOs and NGOs in Peter Maritzburg, are you guys working with anybody? So when we started, we were able to collaborate with um, Vugustate Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we were able to connect with HeartNet. Um, our relationship with HeartNet um, carries on today. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we were also able to work with um, another organization quite recently when we did a clothing drive mm-hmm. just early, late April. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called 
Nolutuso, Nolutuso Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're able to collaborate with them through um, the World Health Counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we have worked with a couple of organizations and we're mm-hmm. looking forward to working with a lot more yeah. in the future. So yeah. you do clothing drafts as well. Um, I saw there was another picture you guys had on Instagram. I think you were at the lay center or something. So what type of, you know, other things do you do besides, you know, the, your programs? Okay. So we, we do sometimes collaborate with um, the organizations that we have relationships with, mm. you know, to basically help them with their work. Mm. Mm. You know, we also did um, 25 Iconic Women with Mary Mamela Foundation. Mm. Mm. Um where basically they were giving recognition to the ordinary township woman mm. who's doing something for the community, mm. you know, um, through basically giving them a platform where they can talk mm. about their work, you know, and share that with the general public. Um, yeah, so, and then we also worked with Uvogus Tate where they were doing a blanket, blanket drive. Mm. Um, sometime last year and we were able to donate some blankets nice, and do nice. that as well i remember that mm. i remember that you guys are very busy eh? yeah <laughs> very busy that's that's impressive um uh, i wanted to go back a little bit about the let me let me ask you this rather uh, do you have any mentors in your life uh, or people particularly in this ngo space or in the psychology space that you look to and are there people that you yourself are besides the, the youth that you're helping or like on one-on-one with you not Kolo mm-hmm. uh, do you have any people that you mentor and are you uh, have a mentor of your own okay um I've always looked up to opera growing up <laughs> oh yeah Shout out I think to that her. a lot of us were partially raised by opera I agree <laughs> You know, um, through just watching her shows and, mm-hmm. you know, everything that she had to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I do have a mentor, actually. I have a career mentor who is also my friend now. Mm. Um, yeah, and she's doing quite well um, in the research space. Mm. And she's also started her own organization mm-hmm. um, where she she's also basically... Um, helping the community, but she hasn't um, started practically, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it, it, yeah, it is an existing um, idea of hers and I think she's well in the process of, um, you know, beginning. And getting it off the ground. Yeah, and getting it off the ground. All the best to her yeah. for that. All the best <laughs> to her for that. I don't have any further questions, but I do have like one comment on like the series that uh, P and I are doing as a part of this podcast that we call the Youth Empowerment Series. Um, you know, uh, this was obviously driven by the fact that a lot of our listeners feel like, you know, um, there's a lot of issues that affect the youth and uh, really high among them is the issue of unemployment as well. And and stuff. So we, that's why we've invited um, business owners. We've invited um, yourselves, entrepreneurs. Yeah, entrepreneurs. We invited some uh, HR practitioners as well, but uh, we haven't had um, 
any positive feedback from them, but it would have been interesting to get like um, a perspective from the employer side, you know, as far as what they look for in employees. Um, and the reason I, I asked you about mentorship and so on was because, you know, it, it's one thing to tell someone that work hard, you know, uh, submit your CVs everywhere. But the truth is, it, it, it's highly likely that your relationships that you build with people, how they remember you, your networks, uh, some of it goes um, a substantial part of the way in getting you either employment or any sort of business. So uh, my comment in, in closing, as far as uh, you know, uh, our topic for today uh, in, in, in empowering the youth is that, yes, it's important to work hard. It's important to study hard, do your degrees and all that stuff. But networking, building relationships uh, is super important. What's your stance on that? What's your experience on that? Maybe Sips, you can also chime in if you have any experiences or any comments on that. Uh, but let's start with you, Nicola. What, what's your take on, on, on that? Yeah, I think definitely um, networking is, is very important, you know, because you can have an idea and it can be purely ideological. And when you try to think of it practically, you find that, you know, you can't really map out how it can work, you know. So I think that's where networking comes in because then you're able to speak to people who are already in the space of uh, what you're wanting to do and you can start to think of more practical ideas, you know, and also trying to find a niche, you know, again, you know, in, in that of what is already existing what can you do differently what can you offer you know that is different um but still nonetheless um quite significant you know and and needed by whoever you want to serve mm -hmm. yeah for sure and how do people reach you so we do have uh an Instagram page it's called Loom underscore South Africa mm -hmm. and we have a Facebook page it's called uh, bloom.sa dot spelt d-o-t mm -hmm. and we have uh, a YouTube channel it's called Bloom SA okay yeah okay yeah, cool. cool thank you so much for joining us today thank you thank you guys for having me <laughs> we really enjoyed having you here thank you so much Thank you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Unintentional Podcast. I am Bonga and she is P. And uh, keep following us and listening to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, or wherever else where you get your podcasts. Uh, do check out our Facebook page, our Instagram page, um, Twitter page as well. And uh, we'll see you guys.